you're on campus again, welcome. We are so glad you are here. I also wanted to give a big shout out to all those who were at the women's retreat this weekend. Heard it was a good time and all, had by all. So thank you to everyone who pitched in and made that event a success. We love it when the women of our church can get away and get some undistracted time uh, together without the kiddos tugging on their legs. And so um, all that stuff is wonderful. It's exciting. We are heading back into the fall uh, semester. We're kind of past that West Michigan summer season where everyone is just off up north vacationing at a lake somewhere. Uh, And we're starting to kind of get back and getting ready for the fall season. So part of that process is actually bringing on board a bunch of deacons to help serve alongside of the elders in helping all the ministries of the church flourish and come together. So this morning, we want to pray for a couple of our deacons here who are coming on board um, and serving here. Many of them have been here for a while. We just want to bring them up front here for you and then be able to kind of pray for them, and you'll know who's uh, serving in some of these different um, capacities. I'm also going to ask any of our elders who are around to come on up here too. We're going to get to just lay hands on them and pray for them as they are coming. But a couple people that I want to have up here. So so Josh Rickard, if you could come on up here. Uh, Josh has been holding it down on uh, music for, gosh, I don't know how many years now, six, <laughs> seven years or whatever of ministry. And so he's been Um, really coordinating a lot of the music stuff going on around the life of the church. So if you want to get plugged in, connected with music ministry, Josh is your guy. Sarah Holderbaum has been... (laughs) No, down here is good, I think. We'll we'll get you, we'll keep you, we'll keep it down there and then we can fit everybody. Sarah Holderbaum, who is the uh, children's ministry uh, director this year, she's holding it down. She's got a kid with her as a visual demonstration of the need around our church to care for uh, the little children. Our ministry, Sarah, has served in all kinds of different capacities in the church and in kids' ministry, but she is doing the work here. And so if you want to get connected with kids' ministry, you want to serve, you want to volunteer, we have kids everywhere, and so we need your help with that too. Um, Shannon Madison is our director, is working with Connecting. So if you really enjoy the coffee that you are having in your hand right now and you're sipping, she's the one responsible for that. She's the friendly face, uh, coordinating those friendly faces at the front door, greeting people. She's in Chicago this weekend, unfortunately, so she couldn't be here. But um, Shannon Madison um, is heading up that department. So if you would like to be one of those smiling, friendly faces at the front door doing coffee, talk to Shannon uh, Madison. And our communications uh, coordinator um, is actually just uh, transitioning this year. Um, Randy Armstrong has been doing uh, communications for five plus years at Redemption City Church. Five, <laughs> five plus years, people. That is like in church planner years, that's like a hundred years of doing communications. If you have appreciated the emails that have come out, all of the beautiful pictures, the graphics, the design, um, all of that is Randy's domain. She has done it week in, week out, done it with excellence. She's done it without a word of complaint, even when we've uh, thrown her all kinds of different competing narratives, dates, agendas. She's been able to pull it all together, put it into an email, communicate it out, and she has been doing that faithfully for five years. And she is now doing 
because she has a lot of talents and a lot of high, she's in high demand right now. She's running, starting her own business. She's got a couple of other irons in the fire. So she's going to take a little step back here, but um, just wanted to give her a huge personal thank you from the bottom of my heart for five years of service. If you guys give her a little bit of a, a hand here. And we have a, a special gift for you, Randy, but it has not arrived yet. And so we're going to, we can't hand it off to you this morning, but we love you. We're really thankful for you and your work. Paige Benzing is going to be stepping into her very large shoes this upcoming year. Um, and Paige is also out of town this weekend. And so as the timing would happen, but if you know Paige, she's going to be the new uh, communications uh, person. So if you're looking to get stuff out there, she'll be your contact person for that. Um, Zach Harris, you want to come on up here, Zach? Zach is our new uh, deacon for, the, uh, for missions, global missions and uh, church planning work. He's helping that whole team work and coordinating the global missions work. Zach is a missionary himself. He works with missionaries all over the world, supporting, equipping, training people to do ministry in various parts of the world. He's working uh, with Ken and Rhonda and I, a couple people on that team who are missionaries to really help our church have more of a global reach to the nations. And so, Zach, we're so pumped to have you on board, have somebody really spearheading the work of global missions, helping champion our heart for the nations and for seeing uh, church ministry going out to the nations. And then last uh, but not least, I do also get to introduce my own wife, uh, Jamie Bartlett, who is coming up here. She is working as the deacon in our Laundry Love Initiative, and so she's working to uh, see that, uh, yeah, we offer laundry services to the community. We did a big campaign last year to open up space for anybody in the community to kind of come into our building and get some free laundry services, get loved on, and get ministered to uh, by the gospel. So we've got these four up here this morning, and then Shannon and Paige weren't able to make it. So if there's some elders in the house here too, um, Josh or John, or uh, and Ken isn't here this morning, Mike Birch in the back there, get some of you guys up here. We just want to pray for this group here uh, this morning, and we're going to get to lay hands on these folks here. So, want to stand up there? We can kind of pray for you guys, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, commission you guys as you were stepping in here. So, Father, we are just so grateful uh, this year, God, to bring uh, new people into our team, God, who are helping coordinate uh, some of these vital ministries here at Redemption City Church. We're so thankful for. Uh, the ways that they've served faithfully through the years, uh, and the new faces that we have around the table. We're thankful for all uh, the new people uh, that you're bringing to Redemption City Church. We recognize that uh, many hands make light work, and we're just thankful for it. The faces represented here, the families that are represented here, um, and pray that you would grant just great fruitfulness to the work of missions, uh, to laundry love here in our community, to our children's ministry, to music, that all of those ministries would flourish uh, God, and grow as you would call them to be. We thank you for each person here, their willingness to put in uh, all the time and the work that happens in this ministry. God, we pray your richest blessings upon them. Um, we commit their work to you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> all right, thank you, guys. 
And we have a couple other folks also in the pipeline in, of that deacon work helping in various ministries and capacities. And so if you see a need around the church, we want to we deputize you. We want to commission you to go out there and minister here in the life of our church. And so we're always looking for people to step into some of those new areas. And we're really excited to see the people God has raised up over this season. So Susie, would you come give us our scripture reading this morning? <clears throat> All right, thank you, Susie. Man, it is uh, so good to be back here. Uh, last week was definitely a high watermark here at the church. Ten years of gospel ministry under our belt, and so um, obviously lots of thank yous, lots of shout outs to those who made that happen um, to Bryn and uh, Randy for doing all their work behind the scenes, uh, Brady and John on the grill, or Brady and Jason on the grill, uh, so many people that pitched in to help us celebrate 10 years at Redemption City Church. I'm still just kind of living a little bit in the afterglow of that celebration and just uh, what that has been like to just sit back and celebrate uh, 10 years of gospel ministry. And this week, coming off the 10-year celebration high, I wanted to just huddle us up as a church and talk about why we're here heading into our fall launch. So this is kind of like, you know, the locker room talk before we kind of launch into our public ministry. And I thought it'd be appropriate to diverge a little bit from our Mark series just to get back to one of my key texts. If you were following our launch video last week, the text I launched Redemption City out of, Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. So if you're like, wait, that, that, that text is not from Mark's gospel. Uh, there's a reason, right? I wanted to hit a little pause on that series to come back and give us a little bit of the why we're here at Redemption City Church. We've been helping people find their place in God's story of redemption for the last 10 years, and I'm more convinced than ever of the need to keep that story front and center. We're all living out of some kind of story. We all have narratives that are shaping our lives, right? We all have these scripts in our heads that often we live from, and here are a few samples for you, right, just to, to think about from our friends over at Fellowship Church, uh, Paragold. Maybe these might, some of these might resonate with you in your own life, in your own day-to-day existence. I must be perfect and good. I must be helping and caring. I must be accomplished and look successful. I must be unique and different. I must be knowledgeable and equipped. I must be secure and safe. I must be fun and entertained. I must be strong and in control. I must maintain peace and calm. And the operative word there being must, right? These are our coping strategies. These are the ways we function in the world, right? We all have these voices in our heads and, of course, a thousand others telling us that we're not enough. The drumbeat of our culture is bigger, faster, stronger, large, famous, fast. And these narratives, they take their toll on us, right? They can beat us up. And so if you're coming uh, this morning, if you're walking in the door and you're struggling under the burden of perfection this morning and feeling guilty, if you're carrying the weight of caring for the world, if you are burdened by your own inadequacies and failures, if you are discouraged 
by your own plainness and ordinariness, if you are overwhelmed by life this morning, if you are fearing, feeling fearful and unsafe, if you are lacking in purpose and passion and joy in your life, if you're exhausted from the pressures of always being strong and being in control, if you are burned out by all of your efforts to make peace in a time of conflict and polarization, as your pastor, I want to take you by the hand this morning and lead you to Jesus. The heartbeat of Redemption City Church is connecting our mundane lives and our often muddled stories to God's story of redemption. And while we use that word redemption a lot in our culture, it still has strong uh, religious overtones. Um, It's a word we use for a wide variety of things, right? You can redeem right, a coupon or a gift card, right? You can, if your team loses early in the season, don't worry, there's chance for redemption, right? Later in the season, right? When someone makes up for a fall or mistake, we say they've redeemed themselves. You know, good work. You, you redeemed yourself. If someone's down in their luck or fails in some kind of way and then make a comeback, it's a redemption story, right? So we've got this word redemption circling around in our culture, but Paul's Jewish readers in Ephesus would immediately think, of a story when they read the word redemption. They would immediately think back to the exodus from Egypt. And so I'm going to look briefly at the Old Testament background for redemption this morning. I want to look at the New Testament vision for redemption and how we can find our place in God's story of redemption. My aim for this morning's sermon is simply to continue helping people find their place in God's story of redemption. So let's pray as we dive in this morning that God would meet us right in the midst of all of the voices in our heads telling us we're not enough. So Father, as we come this morning, we all are living out of various stories. We're all living out of different narratives, different voices in our heads. Um, God, in so many of these voices, leave us empty and exhausted, striving uh, for more. God, would you lead us this morning to Jesus uh, and the life that he offers, God? Would we find our place in his beautiful story of redemption? Would you come by your spirit, God, lead us to Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. So let's start here with this Old Testament background here. Ask any Israelite about redemption, and they would want to sit you down and tell you a story. they pull up a seat. How long do you have? I want to get back here and tell you the story of the Exodus, right? They celebrated it each year at Passover, right? Devout Jews today are still doing that celebration every year to remember God's redemption. It's an exciting story. It's about rescue from slavery. Uh, It's about redemption. It's about true freedom. It's one of the classic stories. If you're new to the Bible, God's people were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, right? You can read all about it in the book of Exodus. But what I want you to notice this morning is that the intensity of their suffering, their pain, caused the Israelites to cry out, to the Lord. Exodus 2, uh, 23 through 25 says this, the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. This is often how God tends to get our attention, right? We find ourselves 
burdened by life, weighed down by all of the the stories and narratives in our head. And and God breaks in in those moments. Uh, C.S. Lewis says it this way in The Problem of Pain. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You can probably, every person in this room who's had uh, any amount of life under their belt can probably tell me a story of how God has used pain and suffering in your life to get your attention and ultimately to draw you to Jesus, right? That's often where we find Christ in the first place. Uh, We find that we hit rock bottom and we recognize our need for him, right? That's when God tends to get attention. Where has that been in your life? What's the point in your life where God met you in the midst of some of those painful, difficult circumstances, stuck in slavery or addiction or many of those things? So God gets the Israelites' attention through their suffering and slavery But God has plans to rescue and redeem. In Exodus 6, 6 6-7, we read these words, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And that is exactly what God proceeds to do through a series of the ten plagues, right? God triumphs over Pharaoh and all the gods of Egypt. So redemption involves a rescue from slavery, but it also involves a payment price. In the ancient Near Eastern world of the Old Testament and the Greco-Roman world of the New Testament, to redeem a slave required a sum of money to purchase the slave's freedom known as a ransom. And so how will God redeem, how will God ransom his people from slavery? This is where the Passover celebration comes in. God instructs the Israelites to sacrifice a spotless lamb and place its blood on the doorposts of their homes so that the angel of death would pass over them. God would redeem his people from Egypt with the blood of these spotless Passover lambs. Once the Passover lambs were sacrificed, God carried out his judgment against Egypt and Israel is finally set free. They can begin the journey of figuring out how to be God's people in God's place Under God's rule, they can begin finding their place in God's beautiful story of redemption. So so this is the background to Paul's teaching in Ephesians chapter 1 when we come to our text this morning, this one epic run-on sentence from the Apostle Paul. And it sets the vision for what God is doing through Jesus the Messiah. So let me read again our text this morning Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. And if you've got it in front of you, follow along. It's one of Paul's legendary run-on sentences. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of all our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
When Paul says in verse 7 that in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of all our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, his Jewish readers would immediately start making the connections to the great story of redemption in the Old Testament. Like God's people in the Old Testament, we are by nature slaves to much more to a much more subtle and insidious enemy. We're slaves to our own sinful desires. The temptations surrounding us in the world, the spiritual forces that would keep us enslaved. But in Christ, Paul tells us we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of all our trespasses according to the riches of our grace. Jesus is our great Passover lamb. As God passed over the sins of the Israelites because of the blood on the doorpost, so God passes over our sins in Christ. In Christ, our debt is paid and our sins are forgiven. There is no longer any condemnation. And not only is Christ our Passover lamb, he is our king who has set us free from slavery to live for him. While we're not freed from sin's presence, we are freed from sin's power. It is no longer a harsh taskmaster over us, right? We're, we're set free from all the compulsions and desires to control our lives and manage our lives and all of the ways that we walk in burdened from trying to navigate life on our own. But Paul is not done with this run-on sentence. He is so excited about the redemption we have in Jesus that he doesn't even pause for a breath but rushes on to reveal the mystery of all that God is doing in Christ. Notice what he says here in verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We don't have to wonder about the mystery of God's will, God's purpose, God's plan. Paul keeps stacking up words on top of words on top of words, Because Paul tells us God's ultimate purpose is to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. This is the banner statement Paul is waving here in Ephesians 1. God is uniting all things in heaven and earth through Jesus, the Messiah. There's a beautiful picture here that the Bible Project put together that tries to visualize this verse in one beautiful snapshot. And I don't know if you could catch the picture there, but it's Jesus just wrapping his arms around all of history and all of his people and everything, and through his grace and forgiveness, bringing people into his family, uniting everything together in the Messiah. God is putting everything in this broken and fallen world back together through Jesus, and he's starting with us, starting with our own broken stories. In Christ, God is bringing about an infinitely greater exodus to people all over the world trapped in an even more insidious slavery through his death and through his resurrection. Mike Wilkerson sums it up this way. Um, He says, redemption is not a series of steps we need to practice or rules we follow. It is not the forced motions of religious practice No human effort can accomplish redemption for oneself or anyone else. We need a redeemer. Just as God's story is not ultimately about you, but about God, so also redemption comes not from you, but from God's. God's story is about redemption, but more specifically, it's about a redeemer. Jesus is the main character of the story, and his life and work are the center of the plot. 
And I could say that after 10 years of pastoral ministry, nothing excites me more than keeping Jesus, the main character in his life and work, the center of the plot. And so how could we recalibrate our stories, the stories that are in our head, the voices that are heads and hearts around God's story of redemption? If God is uniting all things in heaven and earth, in Christ, how do we be sure that our stories are caught up into Christ. Here's the problem. Too often, we want to be the hero of the story, but Paul's point in Ephesians 1, 7 through 10, is that Jesus is the hero of the story. And so if we circle back around to this list that I put up of voices, maybe that are echoing in our heads, we read things like, I must be perfect and good. And my opportunity this morning is to introduce you to Jesus as the friend of sinners, right? You aren't going to be perfect. You aren't going to have it all together. If the voice of your head are saying, I must be helping and caring, let me shift that burden to Jesus' strong shoulders this morning if you are feeling the weight of that. If you're saying, I must be accomplished and look successful, let me tell you, Jesus carried all of your shame, all of your inadequacies, and all of your insecurities to the cross. There is Nothing to hide. The voices in your head are saying, I must be unique and different and creative. Look to Jesus. He will make you radiant. The voices in your head are saying, I must be knowledgeable and equipped. Let me introduce you to Jesus, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If the voices in your head are saying, I must be safe and secure, let me tell you that Jesus is your one safe Place. You can look for safety and refuge in many other things, but Jesus is a refuge. Uh, if the narrative of your life is, I must be fun and entertained, look to Jesus. In his presence is fullness of joy. If the narrative running through your head is, I must be strong and in control, Jesus is strong and in control for you. You don't need to hold it all together. You don't need to always be on you can rest in the arms of Jesus. Uh, if the voices in your head are saying, I must maintain peace and calm, let me introduce you to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the one who calms the storms that rage in our lives and world. As we're centering our lives on Jesus, as he becomes the hero in our stories, we increasingly begin to reflect these qualities in our own lives. We get to work alongside of him as a force for good in the world. We get to join him in helping and caring for the needs of the world. We get to be accomplished in the right things and for the right reasons. We become more creative through our relationships with the creator. Jesus' wisdom and knowledge begins to rub off on each of us. We discover that we're safe and secure and can help others begin to find the safety and security that is there for us in Jesus. We become contagiously joyful people like Jesus. We hold power and control lightly as servant leaders, and we become people who, people of peace in our communities and in our relationships. I'm going to give you a, a closing illustration that hopefully brings this all back around. Uh, but Michael Goheen Craig Bartholomew, in their wonderful book, The True Story of the World, say this, say the whole point of Christianity 
is that it offers a story which is the story of the whole world. At the very center of this story is the man called Jesus of Nazareth in whom God has revealed his fullest purpose and meaning for the world. Only this story unlocks the meaning of human history and thus the true meaning of your life and mine. And that is my heart for our church this morning as we gather, as we come in the door with all of our struggles, with all of our burdens, with all of our weaknesses, uh, with all of the things that, that drag us down, that we could be pointed to Jesus, that we could find ourselves in his beautiful story of redemption, that our longings and our passions and our desires could be caught up in him. God is uniting everything in this world, things in heaven and on earth through Jesus. And we have this beautiful opportunity here uh, to gather together around the table and enjoy uh, a supper as we reflect on that. And so I want to invite you as we come here this morning and as we move into this communion space to take some time, maybe work through that list in your head. What are the voices? What are the narratives in your head? What are the narratives in your mind? How can we be bringing those beautiful pieces of ourselves to Jesus and finding our stories completed in him? Let me pray this morning. Father, we thank you for Jesus, we thank you for his beautiful story of redemption. We thank you that you invite us to be a part of that together. And as a church, we get to sing about that. As a church, we get to hear about that. As a church, we get to gather around this table to celebrate what Jesus has done. Uh, God, would you come this morning? Would you meet us? Would you lead us into his presence this morning? Uh, Would the burdens that we brought Uh, with the pains that we bear, uh, with the suffering, our backgrounds and our past, uh, would they all bring us here to this moment as we gather around the table and have a meal with Jesus? Would you minister to hearts and minds this morning to the burdens, the pressures that people bear? We pray this all in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.